Hi everyone, I'm Alex Feeney from FC Cymru and I have snuck aboard the Red Wall podcast to bring you this, a women's football special with interviews from across the game, including with Wales international Lauren Dykes, the head of women's football at the FAW, Lori Roberts, Katie Hosford from newly crowned Welsh Premier Women's League champion Swansea City and Ian Derbyshire, who's the head coach of Cardiff City Ladies. We're going to talk about everything that's going on in the women's game in Wales right now, from the women's team's best chance of reaching a major tournament for the first time, through the new domestic structure, and what's being done about the future. But first, we're going to take you back. In April 2017, Jess Fishnot became the first Welsh footballer to receive 100 caps. A few hundred people turned up in Munich to celebrate the event. And Jess, being Jess, scored an absolute cracker to cap a memorable day. You know, whoever's looking down on me from above uh, had today written out, I think, and it was, it was well written, so I, I thank them. Fast forward two years, and Lauren Dykes became the second Welsh footballer to become a Centurion cap holder, this time in front of a record crowd for a friendly at Rugby Parade. Wales legend from the men's game, Danny Gabadon, did the on-field cap presentation. You just take one year after the other, you know, you have certain challenges and goals. This wasn't one of them to reach 100, you just take one game at a time and you never take it for granted. So to get here is a massive honour for me and I'm just so grateful. Twelve months after that, before a worldwide pandemic shut down all of sport, Wales women were in a great position to qualify for the next Euros. The FAW Trust announced a 50% increase in registered girls and women playing the game in the last three years. A major restructuring of the domestic game has taken place and Lori Roberts is one year into her role as the first head of women's and girls football at the FAW. Historically, football has been created for men, by men, right? And the growth of the female game is everybody's responsibility. It's not just those individuals that work solely on the female game. We're talking about changing how society views football, right? And normalizing it to make sure that we are on an absolute equal playing field to, to the male game and the girls are given the same opportunities. So we thought it's time to examine where we really are as a nation with the women's game. been in the role a year and I think it just highlights um, how important the female game is to the FAW that they you know are bringing in someone now um, that sits on that senior management team um, to make sure that the female game is on the agenda do you know what I mean and um, that it is on all of the agendas that we are um, taking it really seriously and, and want to um, dr drive it forward. That then, as you might have guessed, is Lori Roberts, head of women's football at the FAW. It's been quite a first 12 months as she's overseen the introduction of a new marketing campaign and a major overhaul of the domestic game. The FAW have always looked after the Welsh Premier Women's League, which is our, you know, um, tier one. But below tier one, it's been left for the area associations, um, you know, different areas of Wales to, to set up their own structures. And it's never really had that joined up approach. So that gap, between tier one and what comes underneath that in the pyramid has been quite big. And what we've seen, you know, we've experienced it in recent years that those clubs that have come in from, you know, tier two into tier one, they're really struggling because 
came beneath the Welsh Prem just wasn't um, wasn't a good enough platform to prepare them for for um, the national league. Um, so yeah, we we um, looked at the restructure. Um, it's going to be implemented in 21-22, so that gives us a, a year now to really work closely with the areas, with the leagues and the clubs um, to, to get those things in place. Um, you know, there's going to be a big club development focus for those Welsh Premier Women's League clubs. You know, how, we're, how we support them to, to um, kick on, I guess, um, but also making sure that, that we're able to invest in those clubs as well, um, so they are able to grow. We've, introduce club licensing for the first time in the Welsh Prem. So that will help ensure that the teams that are in the Welsh Prem um, are you know, based on, on sound infrastructure, that they're set up for the future. Um, and a key thing was obviously introducing the under-19s league. Um, but you know, that is the platform to, to develop your, your players for, for the Welsh Prem. So that's a, a key change. So Tier 1 will be the National League, with winners qualifying for the Champions League. Tier 2 will be Regional North and South, with an under-19s development North and South competition becoming mandatory for clubs who want to be in the top tier. Ian Derbyshire is the head coach with Cardiff City Women, who finished this season third in the Welsh Premier Women's League. I think all the discussions we've had so far have been for the betterment of the women's game. And I think that's the most important thing is if you're going to produce a product that's successful, the way you, the path you take to get there has to be planned, it has to be methodical, has to be realistic, and that's what it seems so far. I think, uh, again, the people at the FAW are doing a fantastic job in in looking at how they progress the women's game, understanding where the game is and where it needs to go, rather than thinking this is where I want to go, but not really getting where the level is at the moment. So I think, yeah, it's only positive. I think the licensing structure that they brought in is fantastic addition. It just means that the teams that will represent in the, the top divisions in Wales will have to be at a certain standard. And I think that's massively important. We find that quite a lot of girls are dropping out of the game when they reach 16 because that gap from junior grassroots football under 16s into senior football, that's too big of a, of a jump for them. From an environment point of view, more, more than anything, they were finding it intimidating, you know, and um, yeah, it just wasn't appealing to them. So we've listened to them, so we hope that we'll be able to retain, you know, um, decent numbers that were just dropping off the cliff. So we've created it for, for that purpose. But also there was, um, you know, um, there was a need for the 16, 17 year olds to, um, you know, spend more time learning their trade, if you like, before they're coming into the Welsh Prem um, environment. So we've got, you know, the clubs are now looking at implementing that over the next 12 months because Welsh Prem clubs have to have an under 19 team, 21, 22. Uh, and we've provided uh, development grants for those Welsh Prem clubs to prepare uh, for that. So, so you say absolutely investment is key. Um, and we need to make sure that, you know, we don't have huge amounts of money here. Um, it, you know, we're, we're um, not as big as, as some of the national associations across Europe. We're not talking about a professional or a semi-professional league at all. So the resources that we do have, we need to make sure that we're investing in the right areas. Um, and that being um, a, a, the right area for us at the minute is the under-19s. Katie Hosford is a highly rated midfielder with champions Swansea City Ladies. Overall, I think it is a positive move. You've got a lot of girls from the age of 16 just drop out probably because they're not with their friends or they may think it's a bit challenging to come straight into a team in the Welsh Prem. So I think it's a very good stepping stone, you know, them to keep playing, maybe with people their age. I mean, sometimes you go from senior football 
you're 16 and you're playing against you know fully grown adults so the physical side of it is a lot different the only worry i would have is enough players to make that league competitive you know, a lot of teams in the welsh prem do rely on the youth coming through obviously we have our girls center and a lot of them then end up signing for our first team and um, we rely on them you know to keep our team going they strengthen our team so i think that may be the only concern is making another league and making sure that is competitive as well for them to develop. But I do think if it works, it's going to be a very good, um, you know, new idea to come into watch football, really. My experience growing up, I played in the Welsh League. I played at um, under-16s level, then I went into the senior team as a 16-year-old. And it was a great experience for me. The league was very competitive. Um, with the Welsh League now and the plans they have in place, they now have a 19s kind of league as well. It's an opportunity for these girls who maybe can't make the step up to seniors to stay within that league and play 19s. If you're good enough, you can step up to the seniors. So there is the opportunity to stay within the Welsh setup, and I hope that league is kind of improving and it'll be very competitive for these girls. As long as you enjoy your football and you're happy and you're willing to push yourself at the right moments, kind of that crucial 17 to 18 kind of kind of age gap, then I think, you know, you're on the right tracks. Um, I don't like it when I see kids constantly worrying and pressuring themselves into, you know, God, I, I want to play for Wales one day. I want to do this one day. Just take it one step at a time. I never even thought about them things. I just knew that if there was a challenge, I wanted to meet it head on. If I didn't, if I failed at something, I wanted to next year be better and make sure that kind of I, I changed that. But I didn't think about what came next. I just focused on those kind of little paths. And when I knew the time was right to move on, I was like, it's time for a new challenge. And I wasn't afraid to kind of go across the bridge if need be. But as I said, the, the stuff we have in Wales at the moment is, you know, it's, in, it's going in the right direction. And with the 19s programme, you've got that. If you're not ready for senior level, you could play there, learn your trade, you know, and then for all you know, you might be ready for that senior step up, you know, with that kind of extra experience. So those changes will be introduced from the end of next season. That's May 2021. Of course, this season was brought to a premature halt due to the coronavirus pandemic. Cardiff Met have been trailblazers in the Welsh Premier Women's League for the past few years, competing head-to-head with Swansea City ladies, although it was the Swans who won it this time round. However, Cardiff City women are now an emerging force. Here's Ian again. You know, they have set the standards in the way they've played. Um... You know, Cardiff met for the previous few years and then Swansea this year. So that just gives our girls a bit of a motivation of where they need to be to, to get to that level. You know, they, they all want to win really bad. Obviously, it's a big rivalry of both teams. So, yeah, it, it, like I said, it sets us a challenge, but it's one that it's exciting. You know, it's great to be in that, in that kind of three-team bracket and hopefully we can start pushing on more now and challenging for titles. Bring it on, that's all we can say. <laughs> We'd be um, definitely looking to build on what we have this year you know like we know that the main aim of the year is to win the league win the league cup win the welsh cup and that'll be the same focus for us next year after champions league we go into the season starting fresh and hopefully getting top spot again but we know that you know it's not just challenging cardiff met and cardiff city you know you have to turn up for every match and we just be taking every game as it comes to hopefully get it in the end Having the two big South Wales clubs involved is definitely a plus for the league. We'll see how that develops over the next few years. But we were keen to find out why Ian got involved with Cardiff. 
Well, I, I coached in America for three years um, when I was 18. <clears throat> and obviously women's football and women's sport in general is huge in America. So I did manage to work with quite a lot of female players when I was there. So I, I always had, you know, it never really was a case of oh, working the men's game. You know, it was always wherever the football pathway was, I was always going to go down that route. So I never really thought of, oh, I'm going to go work in the women's game. It was more, this is the football opportunity. It's a fantastic opportunity to be a part of, you know, arguably the biggest club in Wales. So it was something I had to jump at and something that, you know, I, in my mind now, it's just focus on being as successful as possible. If you're, if you're looking for that buzz, that football desire, that burn, women's football can definitely deliver that because I, get, I see it week, day in, day out. I see it whenever you, whenever you watch them train, whenever you come off a big win, whenever you perhaps lose to one of your rivals, you see that pain and you see that want to get better. So, and that's what I think coaching is all about, really. It's a fantastic thing to be a part of and it's only getting bigger and bigger. And at the moment, it's, it's absolutely blowing up worldwide. So I think, you know, it's, it's exciting and it's something that I'd encourage many coaches to get into if they had the opportunity rather than, you know, maybe thinking, looking for that little opportunity in the men's game. You can have an amazing opportunity in the women's game, which can turn you into a better, more rounded coach. So that's what I found. Across Europe, just 6% of coaches are female. In Wales, it's just under that average. But Nia Davis, the head of coaching at Pennebont, who has recently been recruited as a coach educator to support the development of the next generation of coaches, is showing that breakthroughs can be made in what is currently a male-dominated world. Yeah, it was definitely different maybe for them more than me. Um, I don't see it as a, as a massive big big deal. I'd been working uh, in a boys academy for five years at Swansea, um, probably really male do dominated. Um, so I've been sort of used to it to be fair and, and also in a, a sort of doing my, my licenses before going into Swansea was probably more male dominant coaches on, on those courses. So I basically got used to it in a way. Um, I guess for Pennebont maybe they'd never had a female coach like the, the players or definitely never had a, a head of coaching that was female um, before. I think if, if the person's right for, for that role, that's the main thing, whether it's a female or male. We've had a couple of female-only B-licensed uh, residential courses. A number of our international players went, went through that course, actually, um, which was led by Nick Anderson. And that was um, just to ensure that, you know, some females going on to a coaching course might have felt uh, intimidated if they were the you know quite often they could be the only female in there so it's important that we re removed all of those barriers. I learned so much on that B license course um, having done my C license previous it was a massive jump in terms of knowledge and understanding of the game and I really benefited from it I've come back from it with heaps of confidence and going into coaching with so much more knowledge of the game and yeah it was definitely a really really good course and I mean if anyone wants to push on with their coaching I would really recommend doing the B license especially the, the residential course. I think once you get into the leaders you kind of get hooked on it you know you want to keep developing want to learn a little bit more so I think it has got quite a you know a way to go but you know everything that can always grow in in its own way and the more female coaches now is going to lead on to more and more hopefully in the future.
Nick Anderson, uh, who is now a pro-licensed candidate, uh, it uh, heads up our female mentoring scheme. Um, and last year she had three females on the A license. So Nia Davis, uh, Fern, uh, who is at King Coyd in the Welsh Premier Women's League, and Izzy, who is at Cardiff Met. So fantastic that we've had three females through the A license that will benefit uh, the Welsh Prem uh, and the, the younger age groups as well. Uh, and this upcoming season, we've also got um, Kerry Harris at Cardiff Met and we've got Lauren Dykes starting their A license journeys as well. Um, so it's brilliant to see that at the top end of the game that we are developing more female coaches. Um, so a fantastic job being done by, by Nick and the team at, um, over in the coach education department. But it's not just female coaches for the women's game that the FAW are supporting. Ian is being funded for his A licence as the governing body look to help raise standards throughout the Welsh Premier Women's League. They're very smart, they're very intelligent players. And that's why I think people, some people maybe don't appreciate in the in the women's game is they are all they all love football they're so intelligent and they're really passionate about what they do so if you go into it with the mentality of maybe oh, women's football is a stepping stone or women's football just to get my coaching hours in you get found out straight away uh, because they, they're so competitive and they want to win and they want to achieve because they broke through so many barriers to get to where they are if you go in kind of weak-minded then you'll have a very very hard time um, in terms of football I think it gives you everything you need I think, you know, if you, again, if you think of women's football as different to the men's game, it's, a, it's the wrong idea to have. You have to look at what's available. You have to look at the talent, what, what works for each individual player, the message you're delivering. Be, be clear, be concise. Again, as you probably would in the men's game as well. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say there were huge differences at all. And I think if you go into it, the mindset of thinking it's completely different, then that, that could find you in a little bit of trouble. For domestic football to thrive and become ever more competitive, the grassroots of the game need to be successful and vibrant. The FAW Trust set a target of 20,000 registered girls and women players by 2024. That was hugely ambitious. And they've seen a 50% rise in the past three years. But it became clear that the entry point for girls needed to be different to boys. Here's Katie Evans from the Trust. She's been at the forefront of introducing the Huddle programme across the country. We do have some clubs that provide some great provision for girls, but actually that first step sometimes we're missing completely. So they might have had a little taste in school or one of their parents might say, oh, you know, would you like to get involved in football? But there's still a bit of a divide between having a taste and then playing in a league structure in a club. And for some girls at that early stage, that just isn't the right um, environment. So it's all about just creating that that really welcoming environment that has no pressure whatsoever in terms of playing competitively. It's all about the fun games. Through that, they're naturally obviously developing their skills, um, creating a love for football, but through a really, really fun environment that's maybe an hour a week that they come along with their friends. Parents can stay and get joined, you know, join in or just watch from the side if they want to, but there's no real pressure on playing competitively. For those then that you know already love it and are ready to play games, there's that pathway then they can feed from Huddle straight into a team if they want to. But some of the girls we speak to that are just happy playing once a week, having a kickabout, and it might take years before they ever want to play in a league structure, and some might not ever want to do that. And that's the environment we're trying to create, that it's okay how you play or when you play, but there is an offer for you that isn't just kind of one offer of a competitive fix. You know, I started here seven years ago in the same room with six girls. Um, we're here now 
with another group of girls, um, all newbies that have never kicked the ball. And also we've got seven teams. Um, we've got under 60s, under 8s, under 10s, under 12s, under 14s, under 16s and the ladies team. So in those seven years you can see the growth in that and to see this, is, this is great, this is great, fantastic. When you're a huddle coach, you're silly and you're fun and you're, it's not about, you know, necessarily getting to that end result of doing a skill, it's about having fun along the way and if they can do it by the end, brilliant, but if they can't, you've got next week to keep practising it. So. That's what we've tried to get across and credit to the coaches. They've been absolutely incredible. And it's just been so fun to see. I've loved going to huddle sessions because you can't help yourself but enjoy it when you're there because the coaches are great. And that's exactly what we wanted to get across. Sandwiched in between Katie there, you also heard from Gareth Rawlings, founder of Penryn Bay Girls Football Club and this year's FAW Grassroots Football Volunteer of the Year. The huddle is going from strength to strength. New clubs are coming on board all the time. Carnarvon's work in the community with Nathan Craig is seeing big numbers of girls coming in to play the game alongside boys. I'm going to try and cover as much as um, the local primary schools as I can. You know, we can offer sessions that are during school hours. And um, here at Ascol Gellie, we're quite fortunate we do from the year one all the way up to year six. So we're talking about over 160 children every week, um, which, you know, that's fantastic because um, with the experience I've had in playing football and professional level, it's just fantastic to give something back to the local children and hopefully one day they can take that step into the professional game. Oh, it's massive. You know, Carnarvon, it's a, a deprived area, so um, there's not many um, opportunities about. So obviously my work, it's very important to try and get, engage with as many local children as we can. And um, one thing we're thriving at the moment as well is trying to increase the participation level with the girls. Um, you know, we've got Carnarvon ladies team, first team, all the way down to, I think it's up to under six, under sevens now, which, which I think that's fantastic because as you can see from today, the, you know, just the girls, they just love football. <laughs> they love football and Carnarvon is a, it's a football, football, football in town. It's not just the boys, the, the standard of girls is fantastic. So um, I think that last last week or so now we've we've got about four or five girls now has been picked up to the regional squads for, for Wales. So obviously you know with with the chances to get in here um, with the Canam Town ladies as well, you know there are opportunities here now. So hopefully one day we might see one of the girls here playing for the Welsh first team. And if watching the guys in action makes you think of starting your coaching journey, then the FAW Trust Leaders Course is now available online. Just go to fawcourses.com. For Katie, though, it's not just about making sure there are players that want to play competitively, but provision to get as many involved and stop girls thinking that football is just for the boys. As a child, I was absolutely obsessed with football but I was the one girl playing with the boys out on the field in primary school whilst all my you know, girlfriends were playing whatever they played. Um, so I've always understood that feeling of wanting to be it. So I was competitive, I was sporty, but there was still that barrier for me that I was the only one. And you know, the boys were great, but they were only great because I could hold my own. And I think if I couldn't do that, would I have been able to fit in? And that's the environment I want to, get away from if girls are comfortable in that that's great and they'll keep on doing it but there could have been loads of my friends that maybe wanted to join in but didn't have the confidence to come and play with the boys so they just didn't even try so I think 
the more we can do to make sure there is an offer there that you know if they want to play mixed football great we know there's huge provision for that but if that isn't the right environment we're never going to engage them and i think that's probably what drives me most is that i've been there and i loved it but it still came to a stop i got to secondary school and didn't look at football again until gosh years later when i came to work in it because my teachers didn't deliver football i wasn't going to go off then with the boys on my own i wanted to make new friends so there's just so many things that at the time i didn't even realize it i just fell out of love with it and didn't think about it again but in primary school i lived in my man united top <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah i think that's probably what drives me the most and yeah i just want more girls to be able to access it and not have that fear of oh, but what if, or oh, I don't fit in, or you have to be a certain type. Well, you don't at all. And I think if we can change the environment that's set when they turn up to a session for the first time, they'll remember that feeling for the next however many years because they've had a positive time. So yeah, that's definitely the driver for me is um, making sure they get that opportunity. Of course, for those girls that do want to start playing more competitively, they now have recognisable role models, the likes of Tash Harding, Kaylee Green, Jess Fishlock and Sophie Ingle for the senior team. But it's not just about the elite players, as Lowry explains why they launched a new campaign last year. At the beginning of this season, we introduced a new brand identity uh, and marketing campaign for, for the women's game as a whole, right? Uh, called Be Football. Um, and what we aim to do through um, the B Football campaign is to inspire confidence in young girls and make sure that we are creating a brand that's relevant um, to that to a teenage girl audience and uh, is trying to target um, you know, more girls to acknowledge the opportunities um, there are uh, in the game. So whether that is shining a light on our international game and, and raising the profile of, of our uh, international players, whether that is um, highlighting some of the amazing female referees that we have in the game, um, you know, work opportunities, whether that's working at the FAW, in the marketing team, in the communications team. But it's just making sure that these girls, young girls that are growing up, are seeing that it's, you know, there are opportunities in football. And with Colliers Park now providing a training base for the north-based youth players to go with Dragon Park or Astrid Munnock in the south, Lauren feels that's a step in the right direction. Yeah, it's just brilliant now that they can train in the north and they can train in the south, where usually we just have a south base. Unfortunately, it's just the way, the way it was. It's where the staff were. You'd have staff from south travelling up to north now and again to kind of run camps and things or you know, contact at days, but it's not the same. So now it's so, so important that they have the same kind of uh, opportunities that the South do. Unfortunately, if, you, if you're not South or North, you kind of have to travel a bit, but hopefully it's worth it. As well as her place with the seniors, Lauren coaches the under-15s and plays a key role in the regional programme. When I was playing, I was quite inspired by my coaches and I just loved how much I learned kind of growing up. And it just inspired me to want to kind of pass on that information to the youth players. I think it's such a crucial age. They're going through so many different things, you know, whether it's school, but also kind of figuring out what type of player they are, what type of person they are. And I just felt like I've got a teaching background as well. So I've clearly always kind of liked working with kind of children. Um, and I just, I just think I can have, or I'd like to think that I can use my expertise to help them as they go through that kind of crucial part of their lives. And, you know, I just, I just really enjoy working with them. They put a smile on my face as well. Um, so for me, I think right now, it's maybe it's also something to do with kind of the steps 
kind of points I'm at in my career as well in terms of coaching because maybe I'm not at the point where I'd want to coach senior level right now you know being kind of my experience as a coach but I definitely feel confident enough and I enjoy being able to kind of impact kind of the younger age groups. With that pathway we've seen players who are 15 and 16 years old like Harry Jones get an early taste of the senior squad along with the likes of older players such as Fionn Morgan and Elise Hughes. So are the seniors taking these youngsters under their wings? Here's Tash Harding. She was talking on a Welsh Football Fans Facebook Live. Look, when me and Kayleigh first went into the senior squad I was 17 years old and there were some players like Cheryl Foster who's now a referee she was tough love. It wasn't, you know, babying and stuff like that. Um, and same as Kaylee, she probably, you know, didn't do the same thing. So, um, you know, it, it, it's not about for us trying to spoon feed them. It's about showing them how, you know, we do things and how the setup is, how you, you know, we, we expect you to behave and we expect you to give 100% every time you train and every time you play. So it's, yeah, I wouldn't say it's an arm around the shoulder, it's more of a kick up the bum and tough blood. So, yeah, but, you know, it, it, we're not going to be around forever. So it's trying to find, you know, not so much the next Kayleigh Greens and Tash Hardens. Hopefully some individual players that can, you know, put their own stamp on it. Um, and for Jane's sake, I hope there's no Tash Hardens and Kayleigh Greens anyway. Uh, or me. I don't think she'd appreciate it. You need a bit of an easier ride, is this what we're saying? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's just important, obviously, for the culture that, that we've had, you know, through, through Wales and stuff, and to show them, you know, what it means to us. You know, not saying that they, they you know, it doesn't mean anything to anyone in a shirt, but it's different by having the passion, you know, and that's something I think all three of us have. We have so much passion. Tash definitely does the tough love. I think her kind of motto is, and fair enough, because growing up, we had tough love from a lot of the senior players. It was, you need to prove yourself before we let you kind of into this kind of circle stuff. And it works because you know if you get that nod of approval, you've done something good. I take a very different approach. I want to be the one that, if they need someone to talk to, they can, and you know, I'll be a bit nicer about things. But it's not to say one approach is better than the other. It's just to say, there are different roles that we play in the team and ultimately, you know, you have to earn your place. They're kept on their toes, I would probably say. <laughs> this was kind of the year I think we were really trying to kind of achieve something. Last year couldn't have gone any better by that last game. You know, it everything went our way. So this was the year for us, you know, but again, all them things have to kind of work in your favour. And it's not an excuse, but, you know, injuries have not gone our way. Um, I would probably say in terms of performances, sometimes it's not about that, it's about just getting the results. And even last campaign, people don't realise or remember that the games, they weren't the best. We didn't play amazing, but certain players kept us in games at times or certain players got us that goal. And ultimately we got the result, which is all you can ask for international football. And it hasn't happened this time, you know, whether it's been, you know, a, what, like one thing that's happened, like the last minute goal against Northern Ireland. It happens. It's no one's fault. It's a team. It's a team game, and the performance itself probably didn't deserve a win. But you think, you know, maybe we just got ourselves through this game again, just just the way we did last campaign. We still got that that win inside us, which is more important than anything. But it wasn't the case. Yeah, we've made it hard for ourselves, but it's definitely not over. 
um, we've definitely got the chance to potentially get a point against Norway or do something like we did against England in Southampton. That would be fantastic. And to finish the campaign against Belarus, by the time that game comes, the last game of the campaign, if other results have gone our way, that could be a really, really, really big game, important game, probably our biggest game in our history. If obviously we get to that point where we've done our jobs and we've got them results. Um, so yeah, we are more hungry than ever, but we know we've got our work cut out. But I guess the good thing is, it's, it's definitely not over. And that was Lauren Dykes just emphasising the point there. It is elite-level sport after all, and Jane Ludlow's side have a huge summer on their hands as they look to finally break through and qualify for a major tournament for the first time. Right now, those games are slated for 22nd of September, where Wales will travel to Norway. Then they've got a doubleheader at home. First, the Faroe Islands on the 22nd of October, and then that crucial game against Norway on the 27th of October. And they round out their qualifying campaign on the 1st of December, again at home against Belarus. Those dates could still change, so best to keep an eye on B Cymru and the FAW's website and other social media channels to keep up to date. So, what would qualifying for a major tournament for the first time mean for Wales? Oh, it'd be, it'd be massive. It's just making history, isn't it? For the first time, it's kind of getting to that point where no longer we kind of fighting for that moment. When it happens, you can take that kind of breath and go, right, that's happened now, so it's not so much of a... A, a big deal if you know what I mean when it does happen for the first time I think it'll kind of relax everyone a little bit to say right we've done that we've we've done that bit of history we've got ourselves to a major tournament let's see how we do let's learn from it and then we'll know where we need to go next but I think until we do that it'll always be that kind of that oh, is it going to be this time is it going to be this time as opposed to it's done now we that's out the way now what's next let's actually focus on we're going to do this more often than not, it's not going to be a one-off, and let's see how we can actually compete in a major tournament. Women's football in Wales has come a long way in a very short space of time. The national team is getting close to its goal, participation is up, and a structure is being put in place to improve access and player development, so we keep finding our stars of the future. But there's still a long way to go. The growth of the female game is everybody's responsibility. It's not just those individuals that work solely on the female game because you know we're talking about cha changing how society views football right and normalizing it to make sure that we are on an absolute equal playing field to to the male game and the girls are given the same opportunities so i think it's you know the energy that we've had over the recent years um, behind the female game we've all got to work collaboratively to to take it forward to the next level because we've got no idea the effects of covid-19 on the female game on the male game as well right you know, we've gone through this huge period without football. Um, I hope that everybody's going to be really excited to get back to football when it when it resumes. But it's going to take, you know, that that same energy and collaboration to to drive the female game forward again. And that was Lori Roberts, head of women's and girls football at the FAW, rounding things off there. And thank you to everyone who took part in this program. If you want to know more about what's going on in women's and girls football in Wales, then please follow at B Cymru on Instagram and visit the FAW website for more news and information about joining in. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and if you did, it would be wonderful if you showed your appreciation by giving us a five-star review on your podcast provider and... 
If you'd like to hear more about everything to do with Welsh football, then please click or tap subscribe to hear our other episodes. That's it for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast, though. We'll catch you next time.